Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in to Nothing But Rants, our national hour here on the Film Guy Network. There's been a lot of talk. First of all, hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, rate, review. Welcome in to our humble abode here if you have not watched us at all. But there's been a lot of talk on the internet about signals, the stealing of signals, the uh, illegal stealing of signals, the advanced scouting of signals. Um, Hasn't been a lot of talk on the internet on how we go about in the football world calling these signals and therefore how we go about stealing these signals that we are calling. So today, what we are going to do here on the network to start the show is go through exactly, not exactly how, but a way, a form, a a, a, a system of how to install signals in a spread offense. Keyword, spread offense. These are offenses that want to and prioritize playing with pace, right? So that's the first thing we need to talk about. And when we talk about installing signals, First thing we need to talk about is who is hot. So everybody raise your hand, okay? We have three guys on the sideline. One, two, and three. Okay, this drive, the signal caller number one, two and three, put your hands down. Two and three, put your hands down. The signal caller number one will be hot this drive, okay? Series number two, signal caller number three, raise your hand. Signal caller number three will be hot. Okay, this is why you see Instofacto signal call number three on the, or signal call number two on drive number three, whatever. Whatever your random order is, okay, that's why you see on Saturdays there's a bunch of guys on the sidelines, whether they're holding a green wristband or whether they have a green wristband on or whether they have a pink shirt on or whether they have a red hat on, whatever it is, we're on red hat this drive. We're on green jersey this drive. We're on yellow wristband this drive. Everybody else says signal on the sideline is dead. Right. All right. So that's the first thing. We got to find who's hot and who's dead on the signal caller. The next thing on these spread offenses, they're always screaming personnel. There is no signal for personnel. We're either in 11, in 12, in 13, in 21, whatever it is. As soon as the play call comes in from the OC on the sideline, whoever is delivering the signals will be screaming 11 personnel, 11 personnel, 11, 11, 11, 11, right? Or they'll be screaming 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. Whatever the signal or the personnel match is, we'll be screaming that out. There's nothing to steal there. Here we go with the actual signals. Y'all ready for this? We have what is called formation. Oh man, that closed. We have what is called formation. All right, play and then tag. Formation, play, and then tag. That's all we're really going to talk about tonight, right? Most teams in spread offenses are duo-based. What does that mean? They have two receivers on one side. They have two receivers on the other side. We're going to call today this our duo signal. This is what duo means. If you see me standing up like this, guys, this is duos. The other important thing about our signals today, guys, is that if I ever lean, that means that formation is now going to the left. All right, we are assuming base formations are to the right. All right, everybody's right-handed traditionally. We're going to make all of our base formations out of uh, right. All right, and if I lean at all, what's that mean, class? To the, wait, which way are you leaning? To the left. left. Y'all aren't paying attention. That's why I was just making sure. I'll make it we sure lean to the left. All right, now, that's duos. Here's trips, right? I'll make a big T. One is duos. 
to his trips. All right, and if I lean, what does that mean, guys? It's to the left. It's to the left, right? Strength is to the left. So there we go. We got formation. Now, how do we go about calling plays? Well, calling plays are pretty simple. We just make up signals however we want it. I like to do this for power, right? We're going to punch them in the mouth. So we're going to call that power today. All right, we're going to call verts. Verts are big touchdown, right? We're going to call verts a big touchdown here. All right, how about formational tags? We make those up as we go as well. I'll give you an example. So here's the play, right? We're going to get into duo right power. All right, we're going to tag an RPO off the back of it with a, 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 an arrow from the number two receiver. Everybody ready? Here we go. We got duo. We got duo right. All right, duo right. We got power. All right, and I'm going to tag. Anytime I touch the top of my head, I'm going to tag. All right, and I'm going to say, hey, the number two receiver, he's got an arrow. All right, so here we go. Here's the full call. We're going to go duo right. All right, we're going to go power, tag. All right, number two, arrow. That's one play. All right, the guy standing next to me signaling a whole different play. All right, let's go to another play. How about a pass play? All right, we're going to put a pass play. We'll do the same thing. We'll call duo. All right, we'll go verts. We'll tag. All right, the X this time. We're going to tag the X with a shallow, okay, with a shallow, something underneath, right? Whatever our signal is, that's it, right? All right, and then our next one. We said trips is this, right? How about trips left? Okay, trips left. But, hey, coach, we want to have a trips left bunch. We want to put them in a bunch. Okay. Trips left bunch. How about that? Trips left bunch. All right. We're going to call flood. How about that? All right. X slant. All right. So that's how we call plays. That's how we tag plays. Super simple, right? Super simple as a, uh, as a football team to call these plays. All right. And what we are prioritizing is pace. That is what we are prioritizing. We are trying to make these calls as simple as possible, as fast as possible, so we can get on the ball and go. The complexing part, all right, the way to make it hard to decipher what we are doing is to have multiple analysts on the sideline, all right, and have different guys that we are hot or uh, active off of, right? That's how we do our signals and our signs if we are a fast-paced offense. Ideally, we just hold up a number and then everybody looks on their play sheet. If you notice, Georgia is a football team that does this. But guess what? That's not fast. When we're talking about check with me offenses, we want to go down, set, hunt. We want to go over there and we'll go, hey. Right? And we'll be done. In. Now we get on the ball, we snap the ball, we play fast. We're prioritizing pace. It's easy to steal signs to an extent, in my opinion, right? But it's kind of hard to figure out which one of the guys is hot. It's, it's the random selection, okay? And only something you can really pick up on, all right? If you're going up there every single week or if you're advanced scouting, all right? It's hard enough that it required a Marine, who, by the way, is not an ex-Marine. I found out this. One of the listeners called us today and said, no such thing as an ex-Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. You can be called for active duty at any point in time. So an active Marine was required to come out here and, and do these signal stealings. Now, here's my question about all this. If you're smart enough to develop some kind of system to steal my signals, all right, and you're smart enough, and you have a knack for this, was the reporting that we've heard about this stallion's joker. If you got a knack for this, and you're a smart individual, you, you are a Marine. You are the elite of the elite, all right? If you're this super smart individual, how in the hell are we out here using Venmo, all right? And we're out here using school-issued laptops and computers, and we're out here using the public setting on our Venmo paying for these tickets and whatnot, that was the absurd part to me, gentlemen. How are, by the way, welcome in. How are we so, what? 
How did we miss on that? That's incredible. I, yeah. I honestly don't know how people don't just automatically have Venmo private. I've yeah. seen some wild things bought on Venmo. Just oh. like checking through like, yo. Hey, like, yo. Couldn't yeah. even use some Zelle. Like couldn't have even went to like a different app, like a less used app. I was like, oh, I'll Zelle you your money Could, for your ticket or something like that. Couldn't even change the memo to something more conspicuous. Couldn't even use the Signal app to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could have just said like dinner. Yeah. yeah. No one would have been like, oh my God. You said Georgia. You put all the teams in. It's like. GA. Yeah. Like. Just put in at NCAA. Come get us. Yeah. That was the that was the crazy part. There's been some insanely good reporting on this. Um, you know, but <laughs> nothing good, by the way, ever comes out of a manifesto. I think that's what we've learned through the history of America or the history of the world. Anything titled manifesto, not good news. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert here on the network. The Michigan Manifesto. That's what came out of the reporting from our guy Richard Johnson today. I want to read you some of these because most people don't read. I think we've learned that from this story. This story taught me that people ain't reading, and I run a business about people reading, so that's pretty wild. People ain't reading. So let me do a little reading to you today. Our guy Richard Johnson. Call him to our guy because we're going to have him on tomorrow, so I don't want to do too much of this story and break it down too, too much because he's going to come on with us tomorrow, but it revealed some excellent, excellent stuff today. Quote, Pre-COVID, Stallions stole opponent signals during the week, watching TV copies, then flew to the game and stood next next to then-Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis and told him what coverage slash pressure he was getting. That's what Stallions told a, quote, Power 5 student in text messages that were revealed today in an SI.com report because nothing better than hiring a Marine to steal signs from your opponents Nothing better than that, then, of course, that guy's going to brag to his fellow students about listen to what I'm doing for Coach Harbaugh and his buddy Jay, or his brother Jay, and his offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. Man, I'm a lifetime Michigan Wolverine. Listen to what I'm doing for our program. Isn't this nuts? Hey, man, jobs are temporary. Cloud is forever. Put it on the wall. That's what you should have put on the wall. Yeah, I'll put it, what, I'll put what, it what is it again? Jobs are temporary. Cloud is forever. Jobs are temporary. Cloud is forever. That is the way uh, Mr. Stallions was going about it. Stallions, now 28, revealed that he was a part of a small group of people, two of whom he said were at low-level positions on different college football coaching staffs who were putting to their heads together on a long-term plan to run the Michigan football program. Stallions claimed to have a Google document between 550 and 600 pages long that he managed daily, containing a blueprint for the Wolverines' future. He often referred to the document as a movement more than a plan, dubbing it the, quote, Michigan Manifesto. That's... An insane person yeah, is what it is. When I read that today, I was that, like, oh, it's not oh my God. insane. That's, that's a college football fan. Who are insane. I mean, yeah, but that's, They're fanatical. that's, a, that's a given. You can't yeah. be... Yeah. <clears throat> Rude's in the chat said, I see why I never made spy. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't have been tasked with the espionage missions. Yeah. They, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah. I but can't not, they brought the troops into it. Thoughts on the idea that um, Mans was out here writing a 600-word document about what he was going to do to make sure. You know, he thought he had been spoken. It's like he's been, he, this guy thought he'd been chosen, is what it sounded like. Yeah. When I read this today, I was like. Man's really thought he had the keys. You think he was just in a corner of his bedroom in a dark night? She's like, <laughs> they're going to make a statue about me one day. Yeah, I was about to say, I want to know who radicalized him. Who, who, who does he watch? Where he's like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to take over the Michigan football world. Yeah. I think he's just, just out there just bo-shimbeckling up. She's like, oh. oh is yeah. he a Michigan guy? 
Definitely. I think so, right? Bo Schenbecker? Wasn't he the famous Michigan coach? I don't know. Don't know. Not, anyway. not super Michigan versed here. Yeah. No. Um, I, I, I do love the Michigan folks that have found the show. I appreciate them for being here. Um, but I, I want to read them this note from Stephen Godfrey's article today from the Washington Post because this has been my stance on this topic. Y'all are so adamant to go out here and fight for your coach's rights and the sanctity of your program when this dude's fitting to leave y'all so high and dry that it's not even, it's not funny. It's not even funny. It's not. But if I wanted to laugh at you, I'd laugh about this because this shit's funny. Listen to this. Quote, this is from Stephen Godfrey's article in the Washington Post today. Quote, there's a chance Coach Jim Harbaugh will face a charge of failing the Head Coach Responsibility Act, a blanket policy wherein the NCAA says anything that happens within a football program can be tied to the head coach as a supervisor. But it's common knowledge in the industry that Harbaugh is well lawyered and perpetually on the cusp of an NFL return. Even if this quote sticks, it won't significantly dent, let alone punish anyone involved, except maybe Stallions, who has been suspended while the NCAA investigates. This is exactly what one of the coaches told us last night in the show in those yeah. text messages that we read, right? He said, this is going to scapegoat. And ironically, it's not ironically, this is, this is the facts, all right? Except for Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is the only coach I've ever seen that gets drugged out, drugged down into these sanctions and wears them. You know what I mean? Like, no, nah, that guy's that guy RIP'd last year, so we're not going to do that. But, like, no, we can. We can do this um, and respectfully do this. Y'all do remember that Mike Leach tracked a kid in a locker or in a, yeah. in a, in a football facility in the hot sun mm-hmm. in Texas and, like, like real weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. Got fired from a program for, like, basically torturing a kid is what it sounded like and what it read like and what the reporting was. Dude, 10 years later, that guy's the darling of college football. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Coach Leach. These stains normally wash away. I don't know if this one will, um, except for from the national perspective, we will always – I think people are starting to throw the Houston Astros term around where they're like vacating a lot of the – not necessarily the wins, but the thoughts of that program, yeah. right? The thoughts of how they went about winning their games. I think a lot of college football world is starting to think like, oh, no, that, that product's definitely watered down. What they did is for sure 100% watered down, right? Um, but this dude ain't going to wear none of this stain. No. This dude's going to have an $80 million NFL contract in six months. He'll he'll wear the stain from the public persona. Like, everyone still gives Hugh Freeze shit about what he did. I think he'll still wear that stain publicly, but it's not going to affect his career in any way. I think he's there's going to be NFL teams that would absolutely hire him tomorrow yeah. if that were the case. So, Even if this quote sticks, it won't significantly dent, let alone punish anyone involved. So what's the point? Well, I'll tell you what the point is. I'm going to be outraged. I'm going to come on here and tell you it's cheating and that it's gross and that I hate it um, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's my prerogative at this point. Um, and it might sound like I'm – like some people might hear that and they'll be like, oh, dude's got it out for Michigan. No, I got it out for protecting the sanctity of the sport. And then people will be like, oh, well, advanced scouting this, advanced scouting that. Why don't they just put a, 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 a thing in the helmet? Bro, you oh, know – perfect, perfect segue. Do you know why? This is the dumbest argument I've heard. No, that's not. There's a bunch of dumb arguments that I've heard about this topic. The dumbest one, one of them, is that, A, this doesn't provide any type of significant advantage. Stupidest, stupidest argument I've heard at all. Again, explain play action to me. We went through a whole rant about it last night, and it was gas. All right, so if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. But um, the, the other aspect of this – 
and I totally lost my, my train of thought, is that this doesn't, uh, th that everyone does that. What was I about to say? You're talking, you're talking about um, putting mics into helmets and whatnot. Oh, and why the mics and the helmets won't work. Sorry, the ad-libbing sometimes gets me. Why the mics and the helmets won't work, okay? Uh, you like NFL football, don't you? I do. But you love college football, don't you? I do. Why? Uh, Besides the pageantry, the brand of football is a little bit different, right? Passion. Pace of play is different. Yeah. The offenses are different. They're a lot more gadgety. They're a lot more fun, right? They play with a lot more pace. They know mm -hmm. huddle a lot, right? Um, you know what won't stop once you put microphones in one guy? If you green dotted, if you just gave one guy communications, you know what wouldn't stop? He'd still have to communicate. He'd still have to signal. He'd still have to tell everyone around him what they're doing to run no huddle offense which means you'd still have signs on the sideline. Because you know what's a whole hell of a lot quicker? Signaling my signs in to the guys on the field as opposed to just telling the one guy the play and then him having to communicate to all 10 guys. It's the goofiest argument I heard all week. Just put headsets in your mic, in your, in your helmets. Yeah, okay. Well, just make them play all NFL football. Just change the entire brand of football. No more, no, no more fast-paced offenses. Don't play with no huddles anymore. Goofiest right. argument, goofiest argument. If you're going to do this and it's going to eliminate everything, everyone's got to have a microphone in their helmet. All 11. Yeah, let's just do that. So the whole headsets and the helmet thing has been a hot topic I've noticed on social media. So I kind of wanted to do a deep dive. Why have they not implemented it yet? Because I mean, it, it's a cost thing. Yeah, it's a cost thing. So I, I read this article from the, uh, the Athletic written by Chris Vignetti. This, Mind you, this article is written March 21st, 2022. Mm-hmm which was why it goes into why, what the purpose of headsets is, why they don't use them. Basically, it's because not every Division One team could afford them, and teams mm -hmm. that do have them would have advantages. Mm -hmm. But let me read you a exact quote from this article. Mm. Quote, Another concern among SEC coaches wasn't expressed publicly, but has been suspected privately. Headsets would eliminate the ability to steal signals. The concept of signal stealing is a secret in coaching. And some programs have elaborate operations in a sport which most rule changes benefit the offense. Yeah. This could put the sides at the same level of an issue. Told of that suspicion, David Shaw said it was comforting to hear someone admit that stealing signals exist. Brett Bielema brought up as well, quote, There are certain places that put a premium on stealing signals, and that gets some people known as great play callers. But you can have a great play caller, and if you know what the team is doing, Shaw said, for me, this is one of those balances, balancing things. You might not be able to get all the information you want, now you have to call the game with some doubt and trust and preparation in your players. Yeah. Do you Brett know who, Bielema, Brett Bielema, Big Ten coach, and then do you know who David Shaw is? Yeah, he's Stanford head coach. Or was, was the Stanford was, head coach? Was Stanford head coach. Well, he was also the offensive coordinator when Jim Harbaugh was there in 2007 and 2009. Was this the bombshell y'all have for me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew I knew uh, Harbaugh and Shaw crossed over because as soon as Harbaugh left, he 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 connoted or picked Shaw to be his replacement. We just thought it was really interesting that. I mean, in basically, article, an article, can, like, connect it an article 18 months ago talks about how, yeah, there's sign stealing, there's college coaches cheating like Rampant, this, and they know about like it. Like crazy bad. Yeah, and this it wasn't brought up. The craziest, I mean, that's insane, right? That, that I mean, it has been brought up, by the way, because they might as well added Brett Venables in that article. Venables <laughs> has been the one that's gotten all these uh, accusations in years <laughs> past, and he at least did it off of TV copies, okay? He studied a lot of film, 
and, and uh, allegedly was taking these things from TV copies and, and different game footage. By the way, most of the coach, oh, some of the coach, not most, some of the coaches that I texted about this laughed more and were more offended by how stupid Michigan was in this act as opposed to just using the available information, using whatever you need to that's legal, like TV copies. You can, you can see the sideline for the most part in all these All-22s and all these TV copies. If you've got a big enough TV in your war room, if you've got good enough enhancement skills, things like that, you could do this legally. You don't have to go through all of these measures, but these back channel measures are the whole reasons why we've called them cheaters throughout all of this because you're doing all the deviant behavior. And that's yeah. my whole thing of the people that are saying like, oh, well, it doesn't give you that much of an advantage. Well, if Michigan didn't feel like it gave them that much of an advantage, why would they put this many resources into doing it? Well, the, the funniest thing about the most recent report that came out, I can't remember who it was right before the show, um, but basically the, the most recent reporting is that this was an, an in-house uh, leak, essentially, that someone around the Michigan football program gave an outside investigation firm access to the Michigan computers for them to be able to look through this. And here's my cockamamie theory that I was having on my way over here. Um, Michigan, from what I know, okay, has always been a holier-than-thou institute. It's where this idea of Michigan men came from, right? Michigan men are above that. Michigan men don't do that. Michigan men this, Michigan men that. I think one of these Michigan men was watching how this football program was conducting themselves and might have self-snitched. That's my thought process. Because hmm. how else, first of all, you're an idiot for putting these on company computers, okay? An absolute idiot. You deserve to be caught if that's the case. Um, second, uh, if that, that's the only way I could imagine this outside firm being tipped off, because that's what they were. They were tipped off, okay, to Michigan having this stuff on their computers, and that's what led Snowball to this NCAA investigation. By the way, we found out today that this outside investigation firm provided all of this information to the NCAA in one big slap like woohoo, and they gave it to the Big Ten as well at the same time. That's why the Big Ten immediately came out with, Yep, the NCAA is investigating Michigan. So um, there's a lot of reports, a lot of uh, uh, speculation of who the rat was on this. Who's out here really wanting to take down Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Might have been Michigan folks is what it looks like to me. If you read the reporting today, it looked to me like this was definitely an in-house job. That's crazy. Well, I mean, it just tells you that, like, if that is the case, right, if my cockamamie theory is that this outside investigation firm was given access to these computers through inside means, that tells you that people inside the building weren't exactly comfortable with what was going on. Yeah. Or they that's just why I flat thought out didn't like Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, or they just didn't and like that's Jim. that's why I thought it was hilarious when people were trying to put the angle of like, oh, well, they just – only Stallions knew about this. He was the only – he was the mastermind of this all, and it was doing it without Harbaugh knowing or any other coach on this staff knowing. or The players didn't know none of that. That's, that's why uh, – Which, that's by the way, denial. not an excuse. Yeah. Not an excuse. But again, Stephen Godfrey's article in the Washington Post today. I'll read it to you again. There's a chance Coach Jim Harbaugh will face a charge of failing the Head Coach Responsibility Act a blanket, uh, blanket policy wherein the NCAA says anything that happens within a football program can be tied to the head coach as a supervisor. So um, I don't know what the penalties are. I don't know what the penalties will be. I've spoken to athletic directors, head coaches, uh, coordinators, defensive player, or defensive coaches, offensive coaches. I'm talking to a lot of different people. Um, this is definitely a line-crossing operation um, to most that I speak with. There is a line, though. There is a line of demarcation on the opinions given to this. 
and the line is, are you an offensive coach or are you a defensive coach? You defensive coaches are a bunch of snakes, all of you, a bunch of thieves. <laughs> yeah, just across the board, all of them, all of them. I believe it. I have an offensive background, just to let you know, not to, to, to let out any biases. Hey, welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. Is this really all college football's fault? We kind of already hit on that one. Um, Brooks's SEC QB rankings will be debuting again tonight. What if Wednesday, the greatest segment we have on this network, and then we will play our boy Jay Will's segment of the week, uh, Guess the Team, at the end of the night. Uh, P.S., uh, just to wrap a bow on all of this Michigan talk, boys, I never in my life thought I would reach the point where people would be Googling my football background and my football history and throwing that at me in comments as this dude don't know shit because he was 0-22 in his last two seasons of college football. D2 football. Yeah. Never thought you gotta, we would get you honestly, You got to feel kind of good about that, though. Uh, I do I, I do feel good that, A, I'm Googleable, and that, B, the secondary Google search for me on Google's rich terms right now is football. Brooks Austin football, and then my shorter Hawks roster pops up. So, Mama, we made it. Mama, we made it. We are officially Googleable. Not the first Austin child to be Googleable. My brother Blake was Googleable during his uh, college baseball career. No longer Googleable, though, my boy. So, guess what, dog? I done got you. Took over the title. <laughs> hey, you young kids out there, okay? You got an older sibling. Play the long game. It's important. Keep your head down. All right, just keep grinding. You'll get him one day. God, he's going to hate that. If he listens <laughs> to this show, he's going to hate that, man. He's going to hate that. Um, no, nah, we got a great one for you tonight. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and rate and review. And let's play a little What If Wednesday, boys. Love Who it. wants to start it off? I'll go. What if Utah destroys Oregon? Do we have to start giving them respect as a legit playoff contender? So, I, I think my question is, what if Kyle Winningham becomes, like, the hottest the name in college football? That's Urban Meyer said that he's the best college football coach in the country. I don't right – I mean, I don't disagree in terms of, like, doing the most with the least. Mm-hmm. He does the most with the least for yeah. sure, um, which makes me wonder, is it an NFL play for him? Because I'm sure he's had inqu- inquiries in years past. For sure. I mean, the national audience catches on to this way after inside coaches do. Um, or guys within the industry actually start to pick up on, hey, this team's well coached. I wonder what the end goal is for Kyle Whittingham. Because maybe it is just sticking out of like, Utah. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those, you know, things. Because he's I been there a while, hasn't he? Yeah, but I mean, yes. this is, I think this is the first time his name's got real buzz. Like, I think when your name gets like buzz like this, you got to take the opportunity to move forward. Because kind of like what Matt Campbell at uh, Iowa State. Yeah. Like, Don't like, do that. Like three years ago, you were the hottest name in college football, and now shit now NFL football. Yeah, there were now, NFL teams on, now you're on the hot seat. So it's like I think guys like this have to take their opportunity when they can. Man had man had people picking him to win the college football national playoff or make the playoff, uh. only to lose five football games that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got one for you. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit thinks Wake Forest is like a notoriously sleepy environment. I saw Did you that. See this tweet yeah. today? Predicted FSU a little snoozer. Hmm. All right, what happens if FSU just kind of does what we think the ACC is going to do, which is three weeks in a row have their last undefeated team go down to a lesser opponent that shouldn't have beat them? Uh, Louisville lost to Pitt uh, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. La- or two, yeah, three weeks ago. La- two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Last week, uh, UNC goes down to Virginia. Yep. This week, what happens if Wake Forest beats Florida State? ACC's out. You're done. You're finished. Done. Cooked. Bye. Yeah, I don't know how you can 
The only, the, well, the only thing is though, the Pac-12 it, might do the same thing. Yeah, well, that, that's the only other that thing. and each week goes by that Florida State win over LSU looks a lot better. Yeah, so they will have something to at least hang their hat on because I mean, like mid mid through the season, I was like, oh, LSU's not very good. I'm gonna propose this question to our guy uh, Pittinger tomorrow when I join him on their FSU show. I would hold on to the FSU LSU talk to see what happens in the Alabama LSU game because. Mm. I think obviously LSU's offenses look great. Dude, we haven't talked about that at all this week, have we? It's LSU's not, offense or it's no it's Alabama LSU? We didn't guess the lines earlier in the week, but we haven't really dove it's into not that. Not this one. week. It's not this week. Tim I'm has an a, idiot. Tim has a bye week. That's Both those why. teams are off this week. That's Correct. why. Yeah, that's yeah. why we haven't talked about it. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's what I would hold off to say. We like, shouldn't have said anything and just let you be really disappointed Saturday. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, they're not playing. Yeah. So I would continue to hold off on that, but. If, if the only thing about the ACC and the Pac-12 conversation there is the Pac-12 at least looks respectable and representable for the most part. Duke, as much as I want to go for, for, to, up to bat for him every single week, eh, <laughs> Louisville, okay, like looks like you're yeah. kind of having your moment in the sun for a little bit, but nobody's really a true believer in you. UNC, we kind of sniffed that one out all along. And now FSU, it feels like the same way. And there's just not a whole lot of, like, in the ACC, you're either really, really high or you're really, really low. Mm. So I think that's where the Pac-12 has an edge on them there. Yeah, but, like, to count, like, to go back to what we said, like, what if LSU does win the West? Mm. Well, if that's like, the if case, they win, then, if they win yeah, the West, their only win. loss is to Florida State. That's and, a really uh, – They got two losses. LSU got two losses. And, and Ole, Miss, loss. Ole Miss, that shootout. Or one Miss. loss in the SEC. Yeah, one SEC loss. I mean, that's a really good resume if you beat the hell out of that team. So, it could get interesting. I wouldn't write off Florida State just yet. I would say LSU has to also go down one more time for it to be officially written off. What do you got? I want to know what if about this South Carolina-Texas A&M game. Because oh, I do man. think there is Loser a gets fired? You think, I don't know. If, that, if we can put that as the what if. Like, you think that whoever loses gets fired? Bro, Shane Beamer will be two and six if he loses this football yeah, game. Yeah, my my what if is two and six with uh, an NFL quarterback leaving. Mm-hmm. So you think my my what if was like basically what if South Carolina loses? Does Shane Beamer make it out of twenty twenty three? I don't know. Mm. They still got to play Clemson. Yeah. It, bro, it's not it's not looking great. No, it's no. not looking great in South Carolina right now. For all the the admiration, love, and joy, and I I I missed on this bad. Um, because when your starters are leaving your program, yeah, when your starters are dipping out, guys that were supposed to be like main portions of your football program are out here dipping. I should have been ha- I should have been having the alert alerts. Yeah, on. but now we yeah. know. Yeah, now, now we, we know, know that's something that we need to look out for. Full house um, Let's not go too far into the hot seat talks because it's coming up next. Hey, <laughs> oh, yeah. what happens if? What is the narrative if for two weeks in a row? Washington struggles with a really, really shitty Pac-12 team. Last week, it was Arizona State. This week, they got Stanford. Okay, Stanford, a really, really bad football program, but has shown the ability to kind of, you know, put up some fights Mm -hmm. as of late. What do you think? I think we are are kind of go back to the talk of, well, it's a Pac-12. We should have known better. Washington's just like every other Pac-12 team we've always seen, no matter how shiny they looked in week six or – Earlier in the season, like it's it's the Pac-12. They always do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is and this is where I'm kind of torn about things. This particular season is that we have been giving passes to a lot of teams of like if they struggle with a lesser opponent but they get to win, like that's fine. Just keep winning football games. And so while the win against Arizona State was about as ugly as it could have been, 
if you do that two weeks in a row to two really bad Pac-12 teams, yeah. I don't know if you can do much defend, defense of that. But, like, if it's a football game where you win 28-7 to and it just looks ugly and, like, maybe you pull away late and it's ugly throughout the football game because maybe you're turning the ball over or something's happening or whatever, then maybe we can go up to bat for you and keep saying, like, oh, we could still believe in Washington to be a cultural playoff contender for these reasons. But I think it really just depends on how that would go. I don't know if I don't know if you can believe in Washington if they can only put up twenty eight points against a bad Sanford because I mean their whole identity is yeah. this offense is unstoppable yeah. and for two weeks in a row the offense gets stopped by teams that aren't really good. No, I then you have to know kind how of bad, down bad Arizona State is. Kenny Dillingham had to send out a, a a call to action for quote any big people on campus, any big people walking around campus. Come on out. That's what my high school used to do. No shit. No shit. That's what a lot of high schools used to do. A lot of high schools used to do. My college football program, you know what they used to do? They used to go out to the track team mm. and be like, hey, any of you guys not on full rides out here? Because we got like 25% for you if you just want to come run the ball. Now, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. <laughs> but it's going to be all right. We're going to throw you some toss sweeps. Hopefully, we get somebody cut down on the edge and you can just go. Shouts out Bradley Moon. Um, or as we called him, B Moon. Um, of course. Yeah. Any more what ifs? Oh, I got one more. I, this whole next segment is a what if, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, so what if USC turns in another sloppy performance against Cal? Yeah. Do people kind of write off Lincoln Riley and say, I all right, people this, have. This guy's, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of already done, but if it happens Bro, again. I saw, I saw Matt Reiner tweet out the Michael Jackson eating popcorn meme the other day. And it was ironically right after it was just announced that Lincoln Riley has missed the last two days of practice due to a unknown illness yeah that was weird which is crazy to me and here's how I know why I know I know the ins and outs of college football you guys know obviously know this by now um I've talked to many a football coach who about this time of the year feel like absolute dog ass because they sleep like three hours a night and they're midway through a, a seasonal change and all this different stuff right um and they somehow magically all avoid sickness because they all get these just souped up IV drips or magic shots from their athletic trainers because they have access to doctors at all times. Like if you wake up feeling bad, you got a little sniffle or whatever, you go to doc and you say, coach or uh, doc, I got a runny nose. And he's like, all right. Or doc, I'm feeling like absolute dog ass. He gives you a steroid shot two days later. You're feeling terrific. All right. You're telling me the head football coach out in LA is missing for sudden illness for two full days? Weird. And what it got my head turning, not only did that get my head turning, but all these different articles about, uh, about hey, Lincoln Riley flirting with the NFL, might follow Caleb Williams to the NFL. Who do you think is leaking all this information, by the way? His agent, news and stories about coaches potentially leaving jobs like USC don't get leaked, mentioned, or hyper, uh, uh, hyper uh, again, hypotheticalized, all right, out in the world, they don't, get, they don't get that without approval from the agent. All right, the agent kind of slips these things out. All right, so it got us thinking. Back in July, back in August, we're on this network talking about ain't too many hot seats out here. Ain't too many national jobs that people will be wanting that are out here available. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, did we have something come our way in the form of college football news because I'm going to tell you right here, sitting here today, right here, right now, all right, um, if I told you that the USC job was going to be open next year, you wouldn't think I'm crazy. You would think Lincoln Riley might be going to the NFL. 
you would already be ruining her about it. If I told you Michigan would be wide open this time next year or January, they're going to have a coaching vacancy. You wouldn't think I'm crazy, whether it be for fire for cause or guy off to the NFL. So just off rip, those are two national powerhouses or historical powerhouses that very realistically right here week nine, we're sitting here going, bro, those jobs might be available. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and I do remember that of us talking about the hot seats of like, oh, Baylor, maybe that might be a job that opens up or like, let's see what happens down in Florida and whatnot. But Lord, to think about USC and Michigan, especially like Michigan coming off of back-to-back years where they're in the college football playoff. And you're like, oh yeah, by the way, they're going to be looking for a head coach here a little here soon. Yeah. USC hey, just had the Heisman winner. They're going to be looking for a head coach. Soon. Hey, by the way, they're going to be under NCAA investigation. Yeah. Oh, but bro, they already are. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, a new one. Another one. <laughs> and it's it's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big one. It's no cheeseburger. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. This is like maybe the potentially biggest cheating scandal in the history of the sport. Yeah. No, it's, uh, no? there's nothing to add to that. All right, so if those are the two biggest available jobs, let's go through the rest of the hot seats in the sport. Uh, number one, Jimbo. Jimbo's Jimbo. on a heater. I looked it up today, $76 million buyout if they fired him today. Yeah, I mean, he's been on the hot seat for the last two years, though. So Yeah, but it's getting hotter and hotter because the he's buyout's 0 getting and, smaller and smaller. Yeah, well, that and he's 0-8 in his last eight SEC road games. Like, he is not Tough. beating conference opponents. And with Texas coming into the conference next year, th- that oil money will not sit around and be average. You watch. They will be very, very impatient uh, if, not, if they're not already. Sam Pittman, obviously, on a heater right yeah. now um so let me ask you this guys he's two and six we told you a couple weeks back and if you haven't heard this sam pittman's got a very unique buyout clause all right it's one that i haven't seen uh in my covering of the sport but i don't really be out here reading buyout clauses uh, most of them are pretty locked tight that's why i don't read them um but his buyout clause basically stipulates that if he's 500 or below um at the time of his firing his buyout clause is only 50 percent of his remaining contract if he has one game over 500 or better, they have to pay him 75% of his remaining contract. He is currently two and six, gentlemen. He's on a bye this week. Next week, he plays at Florida. He plays Auburn, FIU, and Mizzou to close the year. Ooh, that might He's be... got to go three and one. No, not happening. Not I'm happening. sorry. I'm, it's, it's not happening. You got to go to the swamp. That's, that's tough in itself. I don't care what Florida looks like. You got to go to the swamp, and you got to beat Florida. Missouri, that's a really tough out right yeah, now. Yeah, that's the one I marked an L automatically. Yeah. End of the year, Missouri playing for maybe who knows what, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, playing for a New Year's Six Bowl potentially at the yeah. end of the year is Mizzou. That's going to look like an L. Auburn, I get him at, luckily they get him at home. Here's the hard part about this. If he takes an ugly loss to Florida, he's 2-7, and seven, he's got to wrap out his season with three home games inside that Razorback Stadium as like, just hideousness. Yeah. Everybody just mad as all get out. Your last, think about this, your last performances at Arkansas are a three-point offensive performance against Mississippi State. Whatever happens to you against Auburn, a, a, a presumed win, maybe not a pretty win against FIU, and then the last home game against Missouri. It's not looking great for our guy Sam Pittman. No, no not I at think, all. I think he'll be uh, job searching at the end of the season, unfortunately. Last one I got on the list, and this is one you were on early in the year. Uh, Kirby, and it, it hurt my heart to hear it because I think he's a really good man. Um, Tom Allen in Indiana is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Tom Allen's lost 20 of his last 22 Big Ten games. 
That's not that bad. Sir. I'm joking. Illinois and Rutgers exist in that I'm conference. I'm joking. <laughs> the Illinois face. and Rutgers exist in that Don't conference. Don't let them do it to you. Don't let them get the satisfaction of that. But no, it's a twenty million dollar buyout. Does Indiana can Indiana afford twenty mil to hand just freely to their to their football coach? I don't know. Coach? And I mean, I don't I don't know if Indiana is like that desperate to like. All right, we need to start winning football games. So let's say all of those jobs are available, including USC, Michigan, Texas A M, Arkansas, Indiana, Michigan State's. Michigan State's going to be available. I mean, which, by the way, that came to a conclusion today. It sounded like there was a seventy-three yeah. page investigation that pretty much came to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most expensive phone call ever? Probably. Probably. That or Hugh Freeze? No. Hugh Freeze didn't have an $80 million contract at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90, excuse me, 95. $95 right. million dollar contract. Um, that's that's tough. That's a tough L right there you got to walk away from. Um, yeah, Tom Allen probably going to be tossed. A lot of, a lot of decent jobs available mm-hmm. um, out there in the college football world. Y'all got any more? Did you put South Carolina on that list? No, I didn't. Probably think, should be. I think South Carolina. I think it should be. Wait, hold on. Y'all rant a little bit. I'm going to try to figure out where he's at in that 2024 class because that's the only thing he's got holding on to his job right now, right, is yeah. the fact that he's recruited relatively well. Yeah, I mean, the the part that kind of makes you your job secure if you're not winning national championships, you're not living up to expectations. 18th ranking right now in 2024. They have 16 hard commits. Uh-oh. And, again, one of them is a five-star Dylan Stewart. Like, he's been able – and, man, tw- bro, 24-7, y'all some dogs. Y'all some absolute dogs. Who in the hell dropped Cam Pringle to a 173 eval the moment he committed to South Carolina? That dude was a five-star offensive tackle, I'm pretty sure, um, when he first came out as a ranking. Like, that's some dog behavior right there. Um, sorry, I just noticed that. That's a good football player. He ain't got no business doing that. That's nuts. Actually, I'm wrong. He was 162 and dropped to 172, so – uh, maybe not that highly ranked, but I thought that was like a five-star offensive tackle that they landed. Um, but anyways, the the moment decommitments start happening, I think you start seeing some some serious mm-hmm. heat up under the seat. Well, it's not just there it's not just decommitments. I think coaches who don't win national titles or even like live up to expectations, the best way to secure your job is have a positive outlook going into the next season. Florida. And South Carolina had like Florida, yeah. South Carolina had one of the most positive outlooks last year. They beat Clemson. They beat Tennessee. They beat the hell out of Tennessee. They played a close Notre Dame game. I mean, everyone was high on Shane Beamer. Like, he was doing the the full house videos. Everyone loved him. So, now this year, what do you have going forward that's going to make people go, oh, you know, 2024 could be a really good year for him. So What I'm wondering as I go to look at the game logs right now is are they losing convincingly? Um, that That's the differentiation point right now uh, for these guys. And, yeah. They had a 22-point 20, a loss uh, last week to Missouri, or two weeks ago against Missouri. No, last week against Missouri, last Missouri week, lost a yeah. two-point uh, come from behind, uh, blew a lead against Florida two weeks ago. So, um, we'll see, man. They got handled by Tennessee as well. It's not looking great. No. You know what I mean? Not looking ideal for the guy Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer rather, up there um, in South Carolina. Let's get into – our quarterback rankings for the week. SEC QB rankings, we're down to seven, boys. We're down to seven. And we're going to try something new here today, okay? Believe it or not, um, on the network. My boy Kirby, I trust my producers, all right? I do. I let them them give me some run, and if they have ideas, 
we, uh, we go to him. So my boy Kirby said he wanted to give us a little PowerPoint presentation out here in this joint today. You don't so even what have do to I touch do? the board at all. I you don't even have to just touch the board. Give your list. We're going eight to one or one to eight? One. Starting with one, going to eight? Yep. Numero uno. Put him on the board. Ding, ding, ding. Jaden Daniels. How about that? Jaden Daniels, number one on the list, had a, uh, you know, a solid season this year. And they are, without a doubt, not even a solid season, a great season this year. They are, without a doubt, the best offense in all of college football right now. They are putting it up. I'm talking about putting it up, and they need to because their defense is horrible. And here's the thing. If you can manage to play quarterback in this sport, okay, and particularly in college, with no defense and do so without putting the ball at risk, you are basically, basically a superhero. Number two, Carson Beck on the number on the list right here. Carson Beck, number two on the list. I think you are the best processor in the conference. You are making the best decisions down in and down out in this conference. And honestly, I'm not going to say it's uh, non-negotiable, but it's not really close. He's making great decisions, just not playing with the uh, like absolute absurdity that Jaden Daniels is right now. Number three on the list, Spencer Rattler. I feel bad for you, buddy. I really, really do. I feel bad for what's happening to Spencer Rattler this year. I think he's played exceptional. I think last week, in a loss or two weeks ago in a loss against Florida dude was like 20 for 27 for 384 absolutely insane the play to Xavier Leggett a couple weeks ago was just nuts Spencer Rattler in at number three number four the guy Georgia fans are looking at this week Graham Mertz I think it was a guy, uh, one of these guys this classic. Everybody just has the natural opinion. Everybody wants to pile on one dude. Oh, he sucks. Had a couple of bad games, uh, a bad stretch of games at Wisconsin that were really turnover-worthy football. He's extremely talented. He's making good decisions, and he's operating that offense at an extremely high rate. I believe Kirby Smart said he's one of the, if not the, hottest quarterbacks in the conference right now. Number five, we got our guy, Jackson Dart. Thicker than a snicker, our guy plays the game hard. He does. He plays the game hard, and he plays it well. Uh, somebody, not somebody, an old Miss coach trying to get in my head about these rankings sent me this today, so let's go find it. Here we go, our guy. It was an old Miss graphic sent out for them. Nationally, number one in percentage of completions of 20 yards or more is our guy, Jackson Dizart. How about that? Jackson Dart, number five. Number six, Brady Cook. Think he's playing really, really good football right now, really balanced football for a Missouri football team that understands their identity. I think that also the, 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 the thing worth noting here with our guy Brady Cook was in a uh, quarterback battle this season or this preseason with Sam Horn, uh, a situation that can be very, very weird for most football teams, right? Throughout all of that process, no decision made up until week one. However, there was a decision made on who the captain of the football team was, and it was Brady Cook. Unanimous. Most votes on that football team, Brady Cook. So he's playing well, and obviously he is a one of the main reasons why they have such a strong identity as a football team. Number seven, and our last on the list, Jalen Milrow. Still think he's overcoming a lot right now at Alabama. If you watch this football team, they're not mm, – they're not poorly coached or designed offensively. They're just, as a unit, having to overcome a lot of, like, holes. They don't have elite weapons that they normally do on the outside. They don't have multiple elite weapons, right? Jermaine Burton's kind of turning into one. Um, they don't have an elite pass protection offensive line. They have a freshman that they're overcoming at left tackle. They don't have an elite depth unit. Uh, they don't have an elite unit at the running back room. It's really, really reliant on some young guys as well. So they're overcoming a lot uh, at Alabama offensively, and a lot of that is being done through Jalen Milrow. By the way, they've been able to adapt, right? They've been able to change their identity. They've been morphing back, finally, to this actual run and shot offense, right? We're going to run, 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 shot, 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 run, shot, run, shot, run, shot, run, shot. 
appreciate that right there. That is our SEC QB rankings. You're right, Curb. You're right. You like it? I did. I did. I, I thought that was good stuff. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give them three. Yeah, I thought it was good stuff, man. I love when you guys take initiative uh, here on this network, and I love when you guys show up and show some love to this network. But we can't end tonight's show without playing a little game called Guess the Team. What do you got oh, for me, J-Roll? I forgot about this. Oh, yeah. It's How do you forget I... about Guess the Team, dog? Come Sorry, on, bro. I'm can't be doing My that. My turn to shine. My turn to shine. I so. All right, you guys know the drill. We're going to give you some hints about a team's little guess who, basically. You get to eliminate in a sense of in the form of hints, and then we'll keep going down the list the further we get down the list. It should become more obvious the further we get down, but maybe one of you could just come out here and get it right out of the gate. We'll see. How many hints do you have? One, two, three, four, five, seven. Oh, okay. Okay. We ought to get this one. We yeah. should get this one. Did we get last week? I don't think so. Here we go. No, I don't think either one. Yeah, of, I think, or I think it he did at the end. But yeah. all right. Anyways, this team ranks 103rd in the nation for average points scored and wins. Just oh, wins. points per game and wins. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Their quarterback has the 52nd most passing yards in the country and the 35th best completion percentage. That's a nothing so stat. So he's pretty mid. Yeah. This team is 95th in the nation for penalties. Ooh. Ooh. This team is also 95th in the nation for average number of first downs converted per game. Okay. Okay. This team is 15th for scoring defense, 49th oh, for scoring offense. All right. This team currently leads their division. What? Well, I, I've got my guess. I've got my guess. Division. Okay, so it's not an ACC team. It's not a Pac-12 team. It's not a Big 12 team. Oh, look at you. Okay. I've got, I've got my guess. I. This team is Ohio State. What do you think? Bama. It's Bama. Yes. The, this the team fact is close to Ohio State as well. Think about yeah. their that. That is a really good guess. Now think, think about, about their wins. That is a great guess, considering like really good defense, quarterback plays like, eh, yeah. like not bad, yeah. but just kind of like, eh, not great offense. Ohio, getting the job done. Are Ohio State and Alabama versions of the Spider-Man meme? You know what? Look you know what that. gave it? You know what defensive-based football teams that are protecting a quarterback that are kind of one-weapon offenses. Wow, we might have just stumbled into something. Hmm. You know what gave it away, though? What's up? The fact they said, the, what was the stat about wins? This team ranks 103rd in the nation for average points scored and wins. And wins. That's what thought made me think so Ohio State because of the like the 14 to 12 win against Notre well, Dame. When he says wins, wins, it implies yeah. that there's a loss. Uh, so that's, that's what made it can't be Ohio Penn State. State or Ohio State? Or no, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. Ohio State's undefeated. That's mm. what made me go, it's not Ohio State. Context clues. Gotta well, you got to this week, you, you know bitch. I'm glad you're saying things like this because now going into more weeks, I'm going to be a little more conscious about stuff like that. We got that. you, oh, you son bitch. Hey, that is our show. Wait, for wait, wait, wait. Whoa, I, want, I, want, I want to say something. What's up? This is the first show that you made all the way through without saying the F word. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow. Love you. Not even a penny today. We're so us, close though. to getting monetized. It's not that different.